no my hi ki welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you. Nice to be with you Monday afternoon. Now, the incoming finance minister has admitted that New Zealand's world first smoke free laws have been scrapped to fund tax cuts. We talk about that issue just after four on the panel. Also, today, National's uh, Christopher Luxon has promised New Zealand First and Act to introduce legislation on referendum to extend the parliamentary term to four years. So, I want to do a snap panel poll on this. Let's take the mood of the nation. Do you support a four-year parliamentary term? Yes or no? Why or why not? Text me, 2101. Also on the show, public policy expert is critical of what he calls a sad farce at uh, the Gore Council. What is going on in Gore? We check into that. And who carries a pocket knife around these days? Well, it turns out that a lot of people do. We return to that story at 25 past four, and we kick off the week of country music on the panel. Gosh, do we have a wonderful treat in store for you at 4.30. Our panellists this afternoon, Alexia Russell, journalist and producer at The Detail. Alexia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wallace. And Chris Clark, he's the CEO of Wilberforce Foundation, former CEO of World Vision New Zealand. Chris, kia ora. Kira was. Hello, Alexia. Hello. Nice to have you here with me. Now, to this, I thought a story to start that reassures us about humanity, about kindness. Remember that word? A headstone for a baby boy who died at birth when missing last Monday and is the subject of police inquiries. A stranger, Jack Pickett Newton, made a replica headstone after hearing it had disappeared and gifted it to the family. Heard about this from the Herald. The mother of the boy, Tanya Ramby, told the paper that while she's still very sad about this, the gift has made her feel good, quote, to know that there are people like Jack out there. So we thought we'd get Jack on the show. He is from uh, a, a, a small company called General Restorations New Zealand. Jack, welcome to the program. Sure. You saw a report in the New Zealand Herald that the headstone had gone missing. Tell us the story. What compelled you to make a replica? Well, my wife had shown me the article on the Herald. And when I read through the article, I felt quite sad for Tanya. Um, obviously, having your baby's headstone taken is very upsetting. And I thought to myself, well, I can offer her some support. I can't replace the original stone, but I can provide her a replica. Um, hopefully, they return the original stone. But um, if they don't, she has a replacement that she can keep with her. At no cost? At no cost. So what did you do? Did you, did, did you call Tanya? Did you get in touch with her, yeah? Um, I'd seen I'd seen the um, article on Facebook, so I thought I'd search her up and I reached out to her on Messenger, um, just saying, you know, I'm, I run a small business and I can offer you a um, a replica plaque free of charge. It's just such a it's a, it seems to be such a simple gesture, a kind thing to do. What was your motivation? Why did you do it? Um, obviously, I felt for her situation, um, having her baby's headstone stolen. Um, so I thought I could reach out and. Give her a hand. Good on you, Jack. We've got a panel with us. They might uh, jump in with a question or a comment. Alexia? Yeah, I read this story, Jack. What an absolutely wonderful thing for you to do. But tell us a bit more about this. You also were a – you're a twin, and that that was part of it, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I read through the article, and I I noticed that she'd lost 
both of the boys who are also twins. Um, they just happened that we were the same age. And that really informed you, didn't it? That was, again, uh, just part of just reaching out to help uh, Tanya, Chris. Oh, yeah, and Jack, look, I so want to salute you. You know, most of us will read a story like that in the newspaper or on our phones, and we'll feel really outraged. You might share it with our partner and say, you've got to read this. But actually, we'll then move on. And by the end of the day, we'll have completely forgotten the story. And then here you are, but that wasn't your response. And I I loved your quote in the paper when you said, but this is something I can do. So I just want to salute you, actually, as a young guy who sat there and thought, actually, I'm going to do something about this. And and I think it's that kindness and, and doing something about it that I really admire. Well done. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. good on you, Jack. Of course, too, you, you, you make no secret of the fact uh, that you yourself, Jack, you've, uh, as a couple, you've faced challenges of, of your own in the last few years. Oh, yes, most definitely. It hasn't been the easiest ride, but um, life keeps going. Life does keep going. So um, what's what's next? Um, the headstone's up and uh, it's, all, it's, all, it's all there for, um, it, it's all in place? Tanya is building a garden along the neighbour. So um, once it's finished, we'll put the plaque into the garden um, at Liam and Luke's grave. How, tell me, Jack, how long did it take you to recreate? Um, I make them by hand, so it took me about a day. It's pretty good, isn't it, Alexia? It's a pretty, isn't it kind of a, a disappearing art, doing that? Because it's, where did you well, learn it? Oh, uh, in a, I started off restoring infant headstones for free at my local cemetery, just stones that were kind of neglected and forgotten. And so I um, went through and cleaned them up, and then I learned how to restore them by just watching YouTube videos. Good heavens. But, Jack, what prompted you? I mean, there's so many things. You're obviously a very skilled artisan. What, what prompted you to get involved in, in stonework, of, of, of all things? And once I started doing some free restorations, I kind of enjoyed it. And I thought to myself, well, it, it gives new life to people who may have been forgotten. Fantastic. Oh, it's just gorgeous, Jack. Hey, well, it's nice to have you on. By the way, that small business, um, I understand that you not only have the small business restoring headstones, but also uh, medals as well? Yes. I feel like you're an old soul, Jack. I've heard that many times. <laughs> Good on you, Jack. Well, very nice to have you on the program. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, Jack Pickett-Newton there. He's from General Restorations. I think you're right. That really, um, I could really resonate with that actually, Chris, because many of us, like I, read the story and, you know, was quite moved by it, but um, one just moves on. Yeah. Don't you use that for your response? Because there's all these stories that hit you. And Mm. I just admire Jack, think, well, this is something I can do. And it might be quite small in his world, but the impact of what he did is profound, particularly for Tanya, the mother, because that must be so re traumatizing Mm. to to have have lost a child, to then lose the twin 21 years later, and then have the gravestone stolen. It's just terribly traumatizing. And so just that lovely little act of kindness that he did. Profound. Good on you. Very good. I guess also, though, if you're reading a story like that and you are the one person who could help her, that maybe you do put your hand up. You know, you have that special, unique skill Mm. that he could do that for her. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, Meanwhile, there is uh, large support. I asked uh, whether or not you support a four-year parliamentary term. Four years, yes. The UK uh, is, what, five and three years. First year, or is about winding back the previous government and blaming them for all the things. Third year, politicking for the next election. So one year to do something, just one year. Uh, Another one, yes to the four-year term. It gives time for considered 
legislation and to be able to follow projects through. Another one here says, no! <laughs> um, so I'd be, I'm really excited to see the response. We do these um, occasional snap panel polls, very unscientific, of course. But I asked you this afternoon, do you support a four-year parliamentary term. This is on the back of um, well, Prime Minister Chris Luxon promising New Zealand First and Act to introduce legislation on a referendum uh, to extend the parliamentary term to four years. Text me 2101 or you can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Do you support it? Yes or no? Why or why not? By the way, text cost uh, 50 cents. And yeah, thank you very much for uh, all your um, just such a huge response regarding carrying knives around. When farming, I carried a big hunting knife on my belt as I hated fold-out pocket knives. I was in town one day and got a tap on the shoulder, turned around to a policeman saying, hey, Crocodile Dundee, um, uh, what are you doing? Uh, better leave that knife in the truck next time you come to town. I completely forgot it was there, says Mike. All right, time for I've Been Thinking. Alexia Russell. Take it away. What's your IBT for us this afternoon? Uh, well, I know this is something in which you and I differ, Wallace, <laughs> but I've been thinking about helicopter parenting because there's been a couple of articles recently about how children are a little bit too coddled now, and this is a hobby horse of mine, um, but it, it seems to be that there is the beginning of a switch from looking after your kids to the, you know, corralling them, making sure they're safe 100% of the time. Um, When they get to, you know, this is fine, you know, walking them to their play date two doors down the road. But when they get to university, these children don't know how to look after themselves. They don't know how to take risks. They don't know how to engage in robust conversation. They don't know how to listen to other people's opinions because they're protected. They're so protected. And now a couple of articles actually both on Jesse's show. Um, and one of them was, a, I thought was really interesting. It struck a, a chord with me. Um, lawyer Greg Lukianoff, I'm not sure how his name said, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. And I thought that is a really, really good way to put it. Prepare your child for whatever harms may come to them in the future. Don't try and change the world so that your child will be able to walk down that road safely. You sound you sound as if you're from the um, uh, early 70s harden-up school of parenting, which is completely out of date and completely... Um, Unremoved from 21st century parenting. That's what that's what you sound like to I me. I think there's a difference between 21st century parenting and overparenting, which is what we've we've got now. I think is what we've got now. Many people do now. All right. Yes, I was. A bit, I let my kids free range, and I'm not the best parent in the world. <laughs> but my children survived. They're alive and they're coping, and they're not on drugs or doing terrible things. And they still, you know, give me a cuddle in the morning. So. <laughs> I think, you know, not all things end badly when I'm you let your children run across up. the park. I'm going to put my hand up and say fair <laughs> point to that. If your grown children can, if you, you're at a stage where you can grow and child can still give you a bit of a hug, uh, that's fair play to you, Alexia. <laughs> What do you think about that, Chris? Oh, look, um, just be careful for what you wish for. So we also sort of free-ranged our kids, and we just farewelled our youngest overseas, who's now off in Europe and having a wonderful trip of his life. And we're thinking, I wonder if he'll ever come home. And then we look at each other and think, well, we did train them to be adventurous, and we shouldn't be surprised when they go on an adventure. Oh, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, we're very proud of them, actually. Yeah. Another one that says here, I actually prefer lawnmower parenting, paving the way. 
Get that person on the panel, Wallace. <laughs> I don't know. I got a new weed eater of the weekend, and as a result, I've got a chunk of my thumb missing. So there's some dangers in that too. <laughs> Someone says absolute rubbish, Wallace. I don't know whether that refers to what Alexia was talking about or I've been talking about. But interested to hear your thoughts on helicopter parenting. We might return to that actually in the week. Kia ora, Alexia. Uh, Chris Clark, I've been thinking. So um, I want to tell you about something I've got involved with, which actually I'm really, really excited about, which is that I want to take you back to 2004 and the tsunami, uh, which wiped out literally thousands of people. And as a consequence of that, all the international humanitarian organizations got together and said, we could do this in a much better way. Actually, if we started to collaborate rather than compete, if we shared information, and if each one of us played to our strengths, we could actually be a lot more responsive and save many more lives. And that's exactly what they did. But the other end of the story, which is actually the fundraising end, we continue to compete right up to this year. So what would happen is you'd open your newspaper or your phone and then all these agencies all asking you to give to Gaza or to Tanzania or whatever the cause was. Well, eight of the agencies got together and said, let's be adult. And let's think about a different way of doing this. And what would happen if we actually collaborated rather than competing? And so we've set up the Emergency Alliance. And to my surprise and delight, they asked me to be the first chair. And we've just completed our first appeal, which was in Gaza. What's lovely about that is that for an organisation that nobody knew, we've actually raised a reasonable sum of money, but as exciting, other agencies who are sitting back and looking at whether this thing would work or not, turn around saying, actually, you know what? We'd like to be a part of the next one. So just the power of collaboration. It's called the Emergency Alliance. A new organisation. We don't have a big banner. We don't actually self-promote because it's not about us at all. It's about actually collaborating across these different agencies and some big names there. We've got mm-hmm. Tear Fund. We've got Habitat for Humanity, Caritas, Leprosy Mission, Adra. So a number of organisations joining. So you'd so you'd just donate like if there was a say a disaster, you'd just donate the money to the umbrella fund and the what the the one that's the expert at doing that's right. That? So what would happen is that you donate the to the alliance, the emergency alliance, and then the members of the emergency alliance work out um, who's best place to use that money. So particularly in a place like Gaza, only a few agencies are working there. So the money goes to the agencies that can have the biggest impact there. But in a different emergency, it would go to a different set mm. of agencies. So we save money. Uh, and hopefully we get the money there Good faster. On you. Wonderful stuff, Chris. Congratulations. Well done. Yeah, big response regarding helicopter parenting. Get real, Wallace. Alexia is absolutely cor- correct. <laughs> this always happens. <laughs> the panel, Orange <laughs> <Aaron's> International. <laughs>